As you recall, if you were here last week, we began to look at knowing God. And this will go on for quite some weeks, months in these series. And the first study we looked at last week was knowing God through salvation. And the first point of that was repentance. A change of mind, a change of direction. And that's what we looked at last week. And uh, hey, if you aren't saved, you cannot know God. (laughs) You cannot come to understand who he is and what he has done. You are spiritually discerned, illiterate, if you don't know him through salvation to start. Once you are a child of God, as we see this morning, then that all changes. We have the spirit of God that teaches the word of God and enlightens that to us. And so, and we respond. We, we, we can say amen now and then <laughs> to the truths of God's word. And it's good to hear that said at times because I know you agree. And I can't take it that everyone that doesn't say amen disagrees <laughs> because I'd be very disappointed. <laughs> but uh, it's good that we can respond because we're his children. And this is what we look at this morning. We look at regeneration. And that's the second point there that we fill out. A change of nature. A change of heart. You know, it talks about the pig and the dog in the book of Peter, doesn't it? What does the pig do because he's a pig? He goes back to wallowing in the mire. You can clean him all up, brush him clean, scrub him with a a wire brush would do. (laughs) But still he'll go back. And a dog returns to his vomit. You see, when you're born again, that does not happen continually. We may go back, we regret it when we do, and we ask for forgiveness. But we are saved individuals, (laughs) regenerated. We have a change of nature. A pig likes the mud. Unsaved people like the filth of the word, of the world. Sorry. Christians do not. They want to be clean before the Lord. And so I pray that we have the heart of a Christian. We've been regenerated. Let's pray and ask the Lord to guide us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word again. Thank you for your people that have come to hear your word. Lord, thank you that there are people in these days of (coughs) compromise and sliding away from the preaching of the word. There are people who love to hear your word and bless each one for coming today. We pray that you'd be with those that are traveling, that are away from us today, that they would be in fellowship with others where where they are. And Lord, might be rejoicing in you and thinking of us and praying for us. We, Lord, do pray for those that are not well today who can't be with us. And Lord, in their hospital beds or at home, uh, little young ones and old ones, Lord, uh, minister to them and uh, revive their mortal bodies to be back with us. Lord, we thank you for your promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us and wherever we are in hospital, at home or at church, there you are with us. And thank you for this confidence we have in you. Bless the word today for your praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) 
All the heat must be up here. <laughs> Regeneration. Last time, repentance, a change of mind. <laughs> repentance, remember we <laughs> looked at believing and faith and repentance last time. And they go together, don't they? Many verses talk about believing, like John 3.16. And... Uh, <clears throat> Obeying the gospel. Others just talk about repentance, but there are those verses that combine both. And they are necessary, both repentance and faith and belief. This morning, regeneration. Uh, <clears throat> it's God's act. Regeneration is God's act of begetting eternal life to the one who believes in Jesus Christ. It happens simultaneously with faith Regeneration is instantaneous. One is either born or unborn. You can't get unborn once you're born. Right? You can die, but you can't get unborn. You can't lose your salvation. And it's instantaneous. Regeneration begins... Or brings, sorry, a new nature. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it reads, Therefore, if many, any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Regeneration places one in God's family, in the body of Christ. Titus 3 verse 5 reads, Not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit so this regeneration has to do with the Holy Spirit coming into and staying with us throughout our life <clears throat> let's look at the thought of receiving a new nature when we are regenerated now regeneration and being born again are the same. That's it. And that's why we read the passage, and we'll look at it in a minute, in John chapter 3. So they, they go together. But the new nature receive is, we receive is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 2 and 3. If you'd like to read that along or follow along with me on that. Ephesians 2, 2. In which in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Before we were Christians, we walked according to this world. We were like, we refer to the pig. He likes the mud. And that's the world. As compared with the holiness and righteousness of God. Among whom we all also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So by nature we were children of wrath. We were not born again. We were not regenerated. We loved the things of this world um, <clears throat> and had no thought of the things of God and no thought of the, th the things of eternity. We were blinded by the 
act of Satan, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, where we could not understand the spiritual things. But things changed. We had the old nature only. Uh, when we were born again, when we were regenerated, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we received a new nature. And so a Christian has two natures. He still has the old. It's not killed and dead and buried yet. And he has a new nature. That's why the struggles we have as a Christian occur. We have the old still. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue by which are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partaker of the divine nature human nature divine nature you don't have the divine nature if you're not a christian and not a believer and nicodemus was confused about this a religious leader yet confused having as, as we read on in verse 4, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See the old nature, the corruption that is in the world through just living the life that we lived. We, we, we had no bars on us. We just did what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it. And that's what the world wants to do today. Just live according to their old nature and do whatever they want. And the corruption that comes. And well, I didn't do any wrong, even though they, <laughs> we know they did wrong. <laughs> They think they haven't done any wrong. Because what's wrong? If you're not a Christian, where's the moral bar set? Who sets the bar huh, of what's right and wrong? But when you're a Christian, there are certainly and definitely standards, isn't there? The scripture, God's standard for us as our creator. So <clears throat> regeneration, a change of nature. Have you a new nature today? Have you a divine nature? Do you know that you have a desire within to know God, to please God, to walk in his ways, to think of eternity, to make decisions with eternity's values in view? Have you a nature that doesn't want to go to the muck and the filth of the world constantly, but has a desire to be fed with spiritual matters? <laughs> Do you read your Bible? It, it can be put simply, can't it? Do you desire to pray to the Lord? Do you want to know God and what he has planned for your life? You see, that's the divine nature. That's the Holy Spirit within uh, giving us these desires. And so we need to be sure that we have this new nature. We'll go uh, to the book of John now where our reading was from in John chapter 3. Just outlining it, not studying it in detail. <laughs> Jesus explained here to this religious leader how one must, must be born again. Must be regenerated. In verses 1 to 21. And there's a quick outline that Wilmington had briefed down, and there are many for this passage, and particularly when you get to verse 16, there's many, many different people have given 
wonderful exposition of that great verse. But let's just go briefly through this to get the big picture of being regenerated. First of all, we see the credentials of Nicodemus in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees. Now, they were religious people. They were the fundamentalists of the day of the Lord Jesus, the Pharisees. The, the Sadducees were the liberals. The Pharisees were the fundamentalists. Named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. So this chap had authority. We see his credentials. Then we see the confession of Nicodemus in verse 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. He had seen the Lord Jesus. He had heard about the Lord Jesus. He knew that this was not normal. And so there was a questioning. You see, God's spirit was already convicting him of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. <laughs> There was something in him. Isn't it wonderful to meet a person that God has worked on already? And you know this person is almost earmarked for salvation because they have a responsive heart. They've got a questioning mind. They're thinking about it. And it's sad when you see that person sort of slip away and don't, it doesn't inquire after the second time or a second time. Because you believe that God is there knocking and, and God is working in their life through circumstances and through their thoughts. Some people you meet just are not interested at all, are they? They just deny it all and they declare themselves atheists. But here this man had an inquiring mind. He'd seen, he'd observed that there was a difference about this teacher, this rabbi he called him, the Lord Jesus, that come from God. No man can do these things. You must be of God if you can do these things. Would to God that all the Pharisees had that attitude of Nicodemus and had that, that uh, spirit, the spirit working and listening to the spirit of God. Would to God all people today had that, where God was working in their heart and, and they responded, well, you know, what, what, what is this? I need to know more. You see, as we go through these studies to get to know God, there's, there's plenty of testimonies, there's plenty of witnesses around that people are going to be inexcusable on the day of judgment because creation itself is a testimony to the handiwork of God. Amen. Creation, whether it be the big picture or the small picture, right down to the minutest and, and some of the tiny little things that are happening everywhere in our bodies and in this world are incredible. And you, you think, how could they even function being so small? Billions of them are on the head of a pin. And they're keeping us alive. <laughs> the, everything, that the little motors, God. You, you've got to say, hey, who did this? And creationists, not creationists, previous evolutionists now are starting to say this. And, and 10,000, I heard this week, are signed up to the fact scientist, to the fact that there must be, this must be special creation. They're not admitting there is a creator, <laughs> but that this has to be designed. It cannot happen by itself. It cannot be spontaneous out of a swamp. <laughs> it, everything had to be working from the start, otherwise all the bits wouldn't work together. Whether Whatever it is in our bodies or any other creature's body. And so God has given that. Let's move on. <laughs> we see the confession of Nicodemus. He knew something was on with the Lord Jesus and the miracles that were happening. And then we see in verse 
3, the command of Jesus to Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus' ears pick up. <laughs> what is this? He would have known it if he had read Ezekiel 36 and read through that portion there in the middle of that chapter. But it didn't, it seemed, well, he didn't understand it. And so <clears throat> we find the command given to, of the Lord to him, you must, must, Nicodemus, be born again. You must be regenerated. <laughs> and then we see in verse 4, the confusion of Nicodemus. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Oh. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's very literal in his interpretation, isn't he? <laughs> how can how can this be? Is it reincarnation? What what's going on? How can a person be back into his mother's womb and born a second time? So we see his confusion, and then we see the clarification of the Lord in verses five to eight. For Nicodemus, Jesus answered and answered this question that Nicodemus had in his mind: Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, <clears throat> there are differences here, and I think verse 6 probably clarifies or brings it to what it means. Born of water, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Others say born of water is the word of God, uh, washed with pure water. Others, the first group say, well, it's born of the flesh. And of the spirit. So if you're not born once, you can't be born twice. <laughs> but if you're born twice, you may die once. <laughs> so that which is born of the flesh is flesh in this clarification of the Lord Jesus. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, ye must be born again. So the wheels are really turning. <laughs> the cogs are turning in Nicodemus's mind and heart. As he's come and asked these questions, isn't it good when an unsaved person starts asking you questions? Peter tells us that comes about because we live a holy and a separated and a godly life. I think it's Brother Walker's favourite verse there in, in Peter there, that we, we set a godly example and then people ask you a reason for the hope that is in you. And Jesus lived a godly life doing great things. Yeah, doing good, going about doing good and miracles, and Nicodemus had questions. And here, Jesus is answering the questions. A person that asks a question will receive the answer and comprehend what's saying. If you force it on them, if you you know you beat browbeat them, as we say, they usually turn off. But when they've got a heart a, a heart to ask a question, and this is what the Lord's doing here, to answering his question. The wind bloweth, in verse 8, whither it listeth. And thou hearest the sound of it, but canst not tell from where it cometh and where it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. You can't see a person get born again, can you? You might see a sad countenance and then a glad countenance, but that's only outward. It could be from anything they're thinking. But God works through his Spirit and comes in and speaks and as the wind does. And then we have... 
the chastening of Nicodemus by the Lord in verses 9 through to 13. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? I think when we're testifying, we would be um, a bit careful about saying something like this to somebody. But the Lord did. He knew this, this man was taking the bait. This man was going for the bait on the hook. <laughs> and uh, don't you know, Nicodemus, you are a religious teacher. You're a Pharisee and you don't know these things. And how many in our world today who are in pulpits all dressed up in robes and swinging smoke around are in the same situation? They are supposed to be spiritual leaders, but they're blind leading the blind. And, and this is, yeah, man, that's right. <clears throat> you should know, Nicodemus, these things. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that which we do know, said the Lord. In verse 11, and testify to that which we have seen, and you receive not our witness. And the Lord had been around preaching. The Lord had been telling people. The Lord had been using parables to teach the people and talking plainly to them. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things about the spiritual matters of life, about regeneration? So this is a chastening of the Lord to Nicodemus. And verse 13, No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man who is in heaven. And who is he speaking of? He's speaking of himself, the Lord Jesus here. He's come down, he'll go back. And uh, <coughs> he is now in heaven. And then we see another clarification in verses 14 and 15 to Nicodemus from the Lord. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we can remember back in the wilderness, in the 40 years from Egypt until they entered the promised land, the children of Israel were there, and they rebelled, and the Lord sent serpents amongst them. And when the serpent bit the person, they would die. And so Moses was instructed with Aaron to hastily make a what? A brazen serpent on a pole. And as soon as the person who was bitten looked at the brazen serpent, they were healed of the snake bite. Isn't that true today? We've all been bitten. We are all children of Satan when we're born physically into this world. And unless we look at the person on the tree that shed his blood for our sins and received life from him and forgiveness by the Lord Jesus Christ, not by our own works, but by his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Unless we do that, we're not saved. We must look to the Lord Jesus Christ as a son of man is, has been lifted up on our behalf for our sins. To receive our punishment on our behalf. We are not saved. We must obey the gospel. We must, we must believe it was done for me. It was done for you. This is individual. This is not collective. 
personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now, if you notice there in those verses we've looked at, Jesus used three illustrations to explain the new birth or regeneration to Nicodemus. He explained it by a physical illustration, a physical birth in verses 5 to 7 that we've already looked at. The second illustration is a natural illustration by the wind that cometh and goeth and the Spirit of God is moving upon that individual. Regeneration, the Holy Spirit, Titus tells us. And then there's the third illustration, a scriptural illustration of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And so when talking to somebody, it's something, by the way, as we go through here, be sure that you instruct them in what they understand and bring them to what they don't understand. Use something that's in their life that you can conceive or the Holy Spirit prompts you to say to, to lead them from where they are to where you want them to understand. And the Lord did that very masterfully here as he used these three different illustrations, a physical, a natural, and a scriptural illustration. And then the conclusion is what we know, these wonderful verses, verses 16 through to the end. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, now this is the Lord Jesus speaking. Had he died yet? No, he's talking to Nicodemus. Now, this was written a long time afterward. And so people comprehended what was being said and when it was said. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Very familiar verses here. And so you have the persons involved, the Father, the Son, and the unbelieving person, the whosoever in verse 16. In verse 17, we have the purpose here. God sent his Son not to condemn the world, but because they don't believe they will be condemned. In, they are walking in condemnation. They are only natural men. They haven't got the nature, the new nature, the divine nature. But that the world through him might be saved. Oh, that you would come today. If you are not saved and believe on him. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. He's walking in condemnation. What a dangerous place to continue to walk in unsaved on the broad road to destruction and most people don't know they're on it they don't know they're walking to destruction i don't believe as uh, we don't believe that everybody god will save everybody eventually no that's a decision we have to make in life but they're walking in condemnation on into eternity, to eternal condemnation. Oh, that they'd believe before that time. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And the light has gone out. And the gospel has gone out. And missionaries has gone, have gone over the world to, to let the light shine. Christians are walking in the community, living in the community setting their light on a hill, not under a lampstand, that we might let the light shine and they might ask us a reason for the hope that is in us. 
But the world walks on in darkness, under condemnation, in condemnation, to condemnation. For everyone that doth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And in our society there are people that seem to be bent on denying the light and the truth of the gospel. And they get angry when you talk about this is right and this is wrong. Scriptural things that God has said is right and wrong, not we. He has said them. And they hateth the light and they don't come to the light and they like to kill those that have come to the light. The light, and, and in, a, in the class, in the adult class, we're looking at, <coughs> Troy began to look at church history, the, the church in the world through the last 2,000 years. And oh, the some so hated the light that they would do such horrid things to those that believed in the light. Like we meant, was mentioned this morning, covering them in wax and then burning them alive. And uh, who was it, Troy? Who was the one that was martyred there? I should have remembered. Polycarp. Hmm. He wouldn't die from the flames, wouldn't kill him. And so they pierced him. And uh, he, he died praising the Lord. And this went on in thousands and thousands of cases. As we go through this, you'll see that this has been the case. We've got it easy. We think of problems and persecutions we have. There's nothing with, with what they went through. And men hate the light and they hate the people of the light. And that's what they'll do to them. And even religious people do that. More so religious people, as we'll discover in the church history lessons. More so religious people, lost religious people without a divine nature, hate the people that expose their error. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought of God. Folks, is there a difference in your life? Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the flesh. The fruit of an unsaved person. And it lists it there in verse 21 and following, or 22 and following is the fruit of the spirit, 17. And down to 21 are the fruits of the flesh. The fruits of those that are under condemnation the fruits of those that are unsaved read through that list and ask yourself the question where do i fit in this group the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness these are that which is manifest in the person that has been regenerated i have had a person adamantly say to me the last two weeks three times not in here so don't you worry it's not you (laughs) I am a Christian and then proceed to swear and to proceed to swear about other people and and bring down condemnation on other Christians and I say it is wrong what you're saying is wrong How can you be saved and use those I said? How can you say you're a Christian and then go on and I use that let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth? How can you say you're a Christian and do that? You see, we have a new nature. Now, does that mean we are perfect and won't sin anymore? No. Because Paul said in Romans chapter 7, 
a wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. We will be occasionally tempted and we'll occasionally fall into sin. And we need to do what 1 John chapter 1 tells us, confess our sin and get right with the Lord, back into fellowship with him. But we won't be incessantly all the time desiring to do that which is wrong, that which is worldly, that which we used to do. We'll be heading in an upward projection. <laughs> we'll be walking from glory to glory, as the, as the scriptures say. And that's in Romans 7 and Romans 6. Read them, mem memorize them. And the battle rages in the Christian's life. If before you're a Christian, you just do what you want. There's no conflict inside. Unless there's the conscience there that is pricking you. But once you become a Christian, there's a... Ooh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is convicting you. And convicting me about that which is, we've done is wrong. And we know it's wrong. <laughs> and we need to confess that and get it right. David said when he had sinned with Bathsheba... Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Well, what about Bathsheba and her husband? <laughs> yes, he'd sinned against them, but primarily this broken relationship between us and God. And then the horizontal relationship we need to w work out too. So regeneration. The fruit of the new nature will be manifest. As it says in 1 John 2.29, if ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him, is regenerated of him. And a quick thought about redemption. That's the third one down there in the list you have. Redemption, a change of position. Repentance, a change of mind and direction. Regeneration, a change of heart and nature. Redemption, a change of position. <laughs> we were born shackled by the chains of sin. We were in the prison house of the devil. And redemption means to buy or purchase, to pay the price for. Revelation 5 and the last part of verse 9, Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. So we've been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus when we believe. Redemption means out of or to purchase out of the marketplace. We don't have it happen in our country. I think it does happen in other countries. And it used to happen much in the time of the New Testament was written because over 50% of the people were slaves. And Paul instructed them in Ephesians how to live under a, uh, as a slave. But they would be taken. And how would you, th how would you feel? How would your self-esteem be? Huh? If you were taken to a marketplace where they sold all other things in chains and shackled your feet shackled and set up on a stool and then people started bidding for you and you were literally sold and you became the property of the person that purchased you to do whatever they want with you and make you do whatever they want for, for them. Dehumanising it would be. But that was the plot of many people. Some were born into it, some were captured and taken as slaves from other countries. But that's the way it was. Think of it. That's where we were born into the world life. That's what we were born into the world life. We were born as slaves to this world, to Satan. 
with that nature, unredeemed, unregenerated, and we're on the on the block to be sold. It sounds terrible, and it is terrible. But somebody came and brought us. Somebody paid the price. There was a bidder that kept putting the price up. You ever been to an auction and trying to bid for something? You can't sort of get upset with the other guy that's bidding against you because he's making you pay more for the product. <laughs> but here comes the Lord Jesus and he starts bidding for us. And what price did he go to? He went to the ultimate price. He paid the ultimate price. He gave himself for us. He shed his blood. That's redemption. <laughs> we were brought out of the slave market of sin by the love of the Lord Jesus that he has for us. We shake our heads and say, why would he do that? Before the foundation of the world, he loved us and didn't want us to go out into eternity lost and condemned. Purchased, purchased out of the market to loose from one's bondage. In 1 Timothy 2, 6, it reads, who gave himself, the Lord Jesus gave himself, a ransom for all. It's available to all. You don't have to be in the marketplace being sold as a slave. You don't have to continue as a slave of the, this world and its system and its, its God, the little g, Satan. The doctrine of redemption means that because of the shedding of the blood of Christ, believers have been purchased, removed from bondage, and liberated. Hebrews 2.15 says, And delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, all their lifetime being a slave. We've been delivered from that. The Lord Jesus has done that. In Hebrews 9.12, it reads, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Thank the Lord that we've been saved from that terrible position. Luke 4.18 reads, The Spirit is upon me, and the Lord Jesus is saying this, he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, and the recovery of the sight to the blind, to preach deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty them who are bruised. Set at liberty. <laughs> We've been taken off there, and we've been given new life in Christ as captives of Satan and released from the bondage of death and of hell forever. Let's turn back in our Old Testament just to a couple of references before we close. And one more in the New. Three more references only. And this is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61 and verse 1. We read there, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because, and this is the Lord saying this, and he repeated it in the New Testament there. He, he anointed me to preach the good tidings. He's saying this to the prophet, unto the meek. Good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the to, to who? Captives, imprisoned people, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The door is open. The captives can go out. Redemption's price has been paid. You have been ransomed. Somebody came and paid the price for your liberty, the Lord Jesus. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. And now back in Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42 and a few verses from this chapter. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He's speaking of the Lord Jesus here. Verse 4. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. The world is groaning, waiting for him to come. For his, new, his law to be enacted. Down in verse 6. I the Lord have called thee in righteousness. And will, up, and will hold thine hand. I will keep thee and give thee for a covenant to the people. A light to the Gentiles. Speaking of the Lord. And that he would be. And through the Jewish nation he will be in a time to come. But there in verse 7, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and those who sit in darkness out of the prison house. We have the highest person in the universe said, I've paid their ransom, let them out. <laughs> Give them liberty. Not under the bondage of sin and the consequences of sin. Debt which is death. <laughs> but we've been delivered. We ought to be the most glad people in the world, ought we not? Saved. Regenerated. <laughs> redeemed. Born again. Sons of the King. <laughs> with a new nature, with a new purpose in life. And the last verse I refer to is in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Ephesians 1 and verse 7, speaking of redemption in this verse, and it reads, In whom we have redemption, the Lord Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the, the ransom price, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We ought to be able to do... <coughs> what they did and they went on their way rejoicing <laughs> you're not locked in this room you're not locked in the prison house any longer with your soul and spirit being liberated the Lord Jesus has paid the price for all have you received what he's done for you have you believed on the Lord Jesus have you repented and turned to him? I pray that you have, and if you haven't, you're invited by the Lord to do that today. Amen. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Saved, saved, saved. <laughs> For all eternity. Oh, we've got a, such a wonderful message. But who wants to listen? 
in that a sad occasion that so many, seven billion people on planet Earth and probably 1% are Christians and all the rest are not on the broad road. That's why it's so serious if you go out into eternity lost, unsaved. What did you do with my son? Did you reject or receive him? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for regeneration and redemption and repentance. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. And may we all be able to testify that. And if there is one, Lord, speak softly, gently, and even forcefully to the unsaved soul that might be here today, that they might become your child, let out of prison, the ransom has been paid. Liberty is theirs. And may we go on our way and share this good message, this great message, this glorious message with others who have not, it, who have not heard of it. We ask and pray in Jesus' name.